Hello, everyone. Welcome to Among Other Things, the podcast about everything. You know, if I had one wish this holiday season, it would be for you to subscribe to the show. But considering you've already done that, if I had a second wish this holiday season, it would be to reunite with my founding father podcast host, Troy Philippi, and our good friend and frequent guest, the part-time critic himself, Kyle Lehman, to get together for a holiday reunion show right here on Among Other Things. And you know what? It's a Christmas miracle because that's exactly what happened. What did we do? We got together. We made a list. Then we checked it twice, just like Santa Claus, of all the great holiday movies. Then we made a bracket. I'm not sure Santa Claus does that. Then we debated to figure out which Christmas movie was the greatest of all time. We had a lot of fun, so do yourself a favor, get yourself some cocoa, put a log on the fire, and enjoy this episode of Among Other Things. When we started doing the podcast, I, I started doing it again recently, and uh, I got so many, so many tweets, where's Troy, what happened to Troy, is Troy okay? And I had to explain that we were no longer on speaking terms. What's Troy's last name? No one knows that either. And then, more importantly, they said, when can you bring Troy back? And I said, I'll bring him back if I can bring the part-time critic back with him. And so that's why we're here today, to discuss two things that not only a film critic knows something about, but a former movie theater employer knows something about. And that is, of course... Christmas movies. What are the best Christmas movies? In fact, what is the greatest Christmas movie of all time? Now, longtime listeners to the show will know that I have seen no films of consequence. I haven't seen anything. But I think between the three of us, we can probably uh, we can probably narrow it down to to what is what is the greatest Christmas film. So first of all, uh, Troy. So good to see you after so many years. Are you a, are you a fan of Christmas movies? Is this something that happens in in your household? Do you sit around and watch these every year? We watch Christmas movies religiously. We love Christmas movies. Um, in fact, we were just talking last night about how this weekend we kind of want to start our Christmas movie blitz, starting kind of towards the countdown, towards the final holiday. Do you watch them uh, only during the Christmas season or are you one of those weirdos who's like, it's Halloween time, time to watch, <laughs> time to watch White Christmas? No, if we're talking about Halloween and Christmas going together, it has to be Nightmare Before Christmas. Fair point, which, which I guess we'll have to figure out today. Is, a, is that a Halloween movie or is that a Christmas movie? Because jury's still out on that one. Uh, Kyle, what about you? You you're a movie man in general. Um, are you? Uh, do you have a soft spot in your heart for Christmas movies? I don't really. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I actually um, I'm not a big fan of like movies that celebrate the holiday itself. I don't watch many of them. Uh, there's only a couple that I religiously watch, and even then, if I miss it, I don't like for a year. It's not something I feel like I have to catch up on or had a bad year if I missed out on it. 
I don't mind watching some of the big ones that we'll talk about later, but um, this is not necessarily like um, the, the, the category that gets me going, which is why I'm the more discriminating critic on this issue. I don't like them all. There's only a few I like, so I'm going to be pretty, uh, pretty, pretty tough on those I don't. It's my understanding you're much more of a Thanksgiving movie fan. Since there's pretty much only one, <laughs> <laughs> and it is in my top ten. Although there is uh, one of the Christmas movies that makes my top ten of all time in this list here today. So uh, I guess they have equal representation. I want to know if our top Christmas movies are the top Christmas movie. So I'm excited for our breakdown in a little bit. Yeah, so now that's a little tease for some of you. If you want to see the complete list of, of Kyle Lehman's uh, greatest films of all time, you should go over to kylelehman.com and you can get all of your lists and you can check them twice. Um, but make sure to, we'll put that in the show notes, as they say. Um, well, I guess one of the first things we need to determine is before we start looking at our list here, is what exactly, what are we looking for in a Christmas film? What is it? How do we define what makes a Christmas film? And then um, are we judging this based upon the quality of the movie itself or in the quality within the, uh, the realm of Christmas movies? So... So, Troy, if, if, if I were to ask you, how do we determine whether or not a movie is categorized as a Christmas film? Uh, is, what is the, how do we determine that? Is it just that it's set during the holiday season? I think if we just brought it out like that to holiday writ large, then we open up a can of worms because the holiday itself, right? The movie called The Holiday um has nothing to do with christmas other than being set during the christmas timeline uh of the of the yearly calendar so is that a christmas movie that's why i think it's important to come up with some clear qualifiers for what we think a christmas movie should be and then we can start to play with what belongs and what doesn't belong yeah i think that if we if we just say does it take place in that season then a film like um Correct, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but a film like Batman Returns, for example, is set during the Christmas season. But I don't know that I would categorize that as a Christmas movie just because that is the setting in which the movie takes place. Kyle, what do you think about the criteria for determining whether or not something qualifies? Yeah, I've, I tend to think, um, one, I'm not qualified to say. I'm, I'm actually much more okay to leave that up to others because I think it's largely subjective unless unless one wants to make a very restrictive definition such as it must celebrate the Christmas spirit of some way. Um, but even then, a lot of our most beloved Christmas movies don't necessarily celebrate the Christmas spirit. They just take place during Christmas time, mm -hmm. during key moments. But even movies like um, it's a Wonderful Life or um, others similar to that Holiday Inn. Sometimes it's just the setting or the background, but it's not really about Christ in a, in a religious way or Christmas in a secular way. 
like say Miracle on 34th Street is. So unless one's willing to restrict it to that, I'm not. So I'm open to that as a rule. I'm open to the idea of it's being set. So, okay, Lethal Weapon, Batman Returns, Edward Scissorhands, they could be Christmas movies because they take place during Christmas to some extent. But the key to me is if a person watches it during Christmas regularly. So in my opinion, by that definition, Die Hard could be a Christmas movie. Uh, and I'm, I'm open to the more open view because then it's down to what do people do, right? So we always watch Die Hard around Christmas. Well, to you, that's a Christmas movie then. And so I'm much more willing to just take the subjective view. Uh, I think it solves a lot of problems. Yeah, I, I think um, for me, it has to invoke some something either from a religious or a secular standpoint in regards to the holiday. That there has to be something about love, kindness, the birth of Christ, um, something about the season that is in some way integral to the part of to the story. Um, that would make someone want to in a celebratory season of the year um, uh, watch it. Which does lead me to the question. Um, as I'm looking at, uh, we've, we've uh, created a little list here we're going to choose from, but I don't see anything on our list uh, of films that tell the Christmas story, the biblical Christmas story, um, which is Perhaps um, one one of, if not the most well-known story in in the Western world, and yet when it comes to movies about the Christmas story, I don't often I can't think of very many that have been very highly regarded, which I find a bit surprising, frankly. Yeah, you're not wrong. It's, I think it's a huge oversight. I don't know by somebody <laughs> or a culture that we haven't demanded it and. We've had some entries like the Nativity Story, I think in 06. Um, Chris, there was a, a kid's animated version, I think called The Star. And they were okay. Um, but a, a high quality version of it has that's become a classic has eluded us for some reason or another, it seems. I know Although, there's a... Yeah. Sorry, uh, things like Charlie Brown Christmas... Uh, do include, you know, the story itself in a significant way. That's true, which might be one of the things that uh, Charlie Brown Christmas has going for it. Maybe not. We talked about this before we started recording. I, I think that it's fair for me to say something like Charlie Brown Christmas. That is that it was not a theatrical release, was a TV special. I think it's OK to count them because they are still holiday-centric uh, entertainment that people generally watch. With all that said, uh, what we've got here is um, we have got a bracket. We've got 16 slots on this bracket, and we're going to fill it up in no particular order. Each one of us will choose movies from this list that we've created, this lovely spreadsheet. And we'll go one by one, and whichever movie you think deserves a spot on the list or consideration, each one of us will choose. Once we get to 16, then we will begin to eliminate them. So um, we're going to have Troy, if you would go first, 
what is a film that you think should deserve consideration um, and why? I'm not going to go with my best pick yet. Um, I'm trusting in the brain trust that it's going to get chosen at some point. But instead, I'm going to go with an honorable mention that I really enjoy. And I think that by mentioning it, hopefully other people can appreciate it too. So my first pick would be um, The Muppet Christmas Carol. I think The Muppet Christmas Carol is not only a wonderful retelling of the original um, Christmas Carol tale, but it does it in a delightfully playful and super fun way through the Muppets that completely personifies the original themes of the original story. And it's got Michael Caine as the leading man, Ebenezer Scrooge, and he's great in it. And it's wonderful. And you should all watch The Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> I love The Muppet Christmas. Muppet Christmas Carol might argue. I don't know if it's going to win this. It might be my favorite Christmas movie. Um, for all the reasons you mentioned, I was watching it. My son and I were watching this yesterday. Um, it's, it's got a great performance by Michael Caine. The Muppets are always wonderful. The music is great. And A Christmas Carol is one of the greatest, most iconic stories um, in general. So you're not going to hear any opposition from this guy putting a Muppet Christmas Carol. There's only nine more sleeps until Christmas, Trent. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Kyle, give me a choice. What, what is something that deserves consideration? Uh, like Troy, I'm going to try to mix up so you don't know whether this is my favorite or not. I'm going to try to not tip my hand too much. And we're going to stick with the uh, animated route here. So I want to nominate the, um, the short, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. So the animated short, not, the re not either of the recent ones, uh, reason being, uh, I think it <clears throat> really captures the Christmas spirit well. Uh, by this, I mean the secular kind of Christmas spirit of loving family, giving gifts. Uh, and it's the perfect length. It, it's a just cute enough, just perfect enough to not outstay its welcome. That's the problem with the with the movies. The movies always have to fill an hour and a half of time, if not more. And so they always have to go in the background of the Who's and Whoville and all this other stuff that doesn't matter one bit um, because the story is perfect at the length that the cartoon is. It's heartwarming. It's got a full beginning, middle, and end. Uh, anything else beyond that is adding too much already to a perfect little cartoon. Question, the Who's, are they the same Who's from Horton Hears a Who? Because in Horton Hears a Who, Who's are microscopic. The Grinch is on Mount Crumpet above Whoville. Is the Grinch, is all of this taking place in a microscopic world? I, I would have to uh, bow to whoever is a um, expert on the, the cinematic Who-verse, Who-diverse. Uh, I, I, have, I have no idea. Is there a Kevin Feige for, uh, for Seuss? His name is Dr. Seuss. The SCU, the Seuss Cinematic Universe. Exactly. I, I don't know. Uh, it could be, but that would mean that the Grinch is also microscopic, right? Yeah. What's wrong with that? I'm, I'm saying that the Grinch is probably a virus, is my point. 
<laughs> so that's even more a story. That's another argument in its favor. It's a, even more a story for our time. I'm going to put this one on here, and I'm going to admit that it's not one of my favorites, but that's not why we're here. Um, we're here to determine the best. Um, but I know a lot of people like it, and it's obviously iconic and has made an impact on culture, and that is, uh, that is a Christmas story. It never resonated with me, but I think it's definitely one of those things. You can still go visit the house, I believe, that was filmed in or was the setting for it in Cleveland or wherever. And a lot of people really love it. And I think anything that's had that longevity is something worth consideration. So a Christmas story would go on the list for me. All right, back to me. I'm going to pick um, one of our criteria that we didn't necessarily all land on. But what makes a Christmas movie a Christmas movie? I think if you really separate out Christmas films that have a longstanding tradition and culture and those that you see once and you kind of forget about are many of those lasting films have some really great song or really great soundtrack that are embedded within them. Um, and there are some really famous soundtrack composers who have worked on Christmas pieces for Christmas films like John Williams. Um, so for my pick, I'm going to go with a film that personified one of the classic Christmas songs, which is White Christmas, starring Bean Crosby. Kyle, your turn to make an entry. Hey, well, let's, um, let's go ahead and throw in uh, a Will Ferrell classic here, and let's put the three-lettered uh, title that I think may, may go farther than many think. Let's, let's throw in Elf, uh, the 2003 Christmas, what has seemed to have become a classic. Um, I can't, I'm always surprised by how many people I ask about their Christmas movies and they, they mention Elf because when I first saw it, I thought it was good, but um, it was just going to be another of the many Christmas movies that come out. And it's to my surprise, it stuck around quite a bit. Even I've found myself watching it more than I thought I would. So uh, for that reason, let's put it in, the, let's put it in this bracket. So one from my childhood that I really liked as a kid, um, uh, I think it's a great, a great premise, is uh, the Santa Claus with, with Tim Allen. Um, the, first of all, he, he, he kills Santa Claus, right? That, how many movies have that? And we just laugh it off as a joke, but the idea of Santa Claus being, what's the guy in, uh, Santa Claus is essentially Ra's al Ghul, right? <laughs> that a one may die, but a new one will, will take over. And so um, in that way, Santa Claus is, is eternal. So I like Tim Allen as the Santa Claus. We're really getting pretty far along in this bracket here. So I'm running out of, not what many, you know, we're, we're, we're running low on ones we can throw on here without thinking too hard. Um, otherwise, we're going to start dipping into the, the quote unquote classics. So um, let's go ahead and let's do one that I'm sure. No, let's not do that. No, forget the rules. I'm <laughs> going to go ahead and I'm going to throw another game changer out there. Let's do Home Alone. Home Alone starring young Macaulay Culkin fighting off the wet bandits due to his negligent parents. Put Home Alone on there. Oh. 
Do you think the McAllisters were arrested for child endangerment? Not based on that sequel, where they immediately proceed to let him get lost in New York. Again, there's a pattern going on here. I showed Home Alone to my son the other day. He'd never seen it before. And through the eyes of a six-year-old, it holds up. He, he laughed at the wet bandits slipping and falling downstairs like I have seen him laugh at very few things. So I would agree with that one. Um, I also think it does a great job of Home Alone, maybe more so than a lot of them we've named so far, when you talk about the Christmas spirit of, of family and, um, and learning to value the things in life that are really important in that way is a beautiful film. The engineering of a finely crafted booby trap. All good things. <laughs> Kyle, what's next? Well, I think we, it's only right that, the, that a film similar in nature faces off against home alone fighting off bad guys protecting a building so i'm i'm gonna nominate die hard here to go against home alone in this bracket uh i've never been a big guy to to um to argue that die hard is a christmas film but i tell you what it's become a tradition in the lehman household uh to watch die hard every christmas and um i want to see the greatest action film of all time go against the wet bandits and Kevin McAllister's slapstick prank falls and we'll just see who wins. <laughs> uh, does, does an old man rejoining his, his long lost daughter beat Carl from family matters, being able to shoot his gun again? <laughs> These are the questions we need to answer. We'll have to figure answer it out. To that question is yes. <laughs> um, Another one that I watch every single year uh, that I and I laugh every time is uh, Christmas Vacation. There are gags in that that will be as funny 20 years from now as they are some 30 years after the movie came out. Um, so that's got my vote. Just a helpful reminder for all those listening that the Christmas vacation they show on TV is slightly different than the one if you buy it on DVD. So parents out there, just remember that the DVD is unedited and does contain one or two R-rated sequences. A filthy family tradition. Um, Christmas film viewing would not be complete if we did not watch the story of George Bailey in It's a Wonderful Life, for whom... Uh, my dog is named after George Bailey. He's still working on the George part, but we'll get there. I think It's a Wonderful Life is interesting because maybe more so than any other film on this list, most of the movie does not take place around Christmas. Um, but certainly the climax and, the, and the, the, the thing that we all think of does but there I, I think when I, I first sat down to watch that probably I don't know 15 years ago and I, I had never actually watched the beginning to end and I think I was surprised at how long it took to get to the get to the Christmassy stuff but certainly it is a tradition in the 
the Ashcraft household uh, as well. Mr. Lehman, we have six more spots. Let's see here. We're getting the, down to the nitty gritty here. So let's, uh, let's do this. I'm gonna, just like the Grinch, I'm gonna nominate another short uh, and let's go with a Charlie Brown Christmas here. To me, although it's not one that I watch religiously, I have lots of family members who do. And as we said earlier, probably one of the only representatives on this entire list that devotes a significant sequence to the actual Christmas story. Um, and it takes it very seriously, even if all the kids and the rest of it are basically on antidepressants while slow jazz plays. But if you can get beyond that, it seems to be a pretty darn good Christmas film. What would happen if Charlie Brown stood in front of the train? There'd be no more Charlie. That's what I mean. <laughs> So therefore, <laughs> that's not a trick question, right? And that's why Polar Express, I think, deserves a spot on our list. Let's go with, let's go with the recently made Netflix animated film, Klaus, which is kind of an alternate version reality retelling of Santa Claus as a myth and how he came to be. Yeah, so I want to continue with the odd matchups here. And if we're going with alternate kind of storylines here, I'm going to nominate Bad Santa, another 2003 Christmas classic. Here's a black comedy with Billy Bob Thornton. And um, I just want to say up front, I'm nominating it because it has a cult following. It's a comedy, but it's a black comedy. You don't have too many of these on the list. So I wanted to kind of represent that genre. Um, to me, it would be a guilty pleasure. It's got its problems. It's vulgar. Uh, but I'd be lying if I didn't say there's a lot of scenes that uh, that'll make you laugh. And I want to see it go against the Netflix animated kids film, Klaus. <laughs> You're a monster. I think in that, uh, in the spirit of re retelling, reimagining of things, um, I'm going to include Scrooge uh, with Bill Murray, an interesting take on um, on a classic story, a more modern take, but the same same heart is there, the same lesson is to be learned. Um, so definitely, I think uh, Scrooge deserves. A spot on the list which brings us to our we have one more slot we've each done five of these things we have one more slot so this fat this 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 last slot um i think we have to come up with a consensus about what what we haven't included that needs to be included and i know what i think i think for me it's down to two that deserve to be in this in this last spot um one of which i think is a miracle on 34th street um because it is a i, I think it, it is by any definition a classic christmas film but i'm interested to see what you guys think might deserve our last our last slot in the bracket our, our sweet 16. yeah Troy, do you want to nominate one um i kind of had my eye on Miracle on 34th Street. Trent, are you referring to the one from, I wanna say it was the early 90s and it starred the same girl who played Matilda? Or are you talking about the older classical black and white version? 
I have seen the one from the 1990s well enough to have an opinion on it. The earlier one that I think is considered by many people to be the, the, the better of the two is something that I've only, I, I can't definitively say that I've seen from start to finish. Um, but to me, even with that being said, so I'm not an expert on it, but I think when you talk about lasting pop culture influence, um, I think that certainly is a film that uh, has some of that. Yeah, I can't help but agree with you. Um, yeah, I would, there, I would agree as well. Then let's just run with it. Let's say Miracle on 34th Street. Put her in, coach. And with that, I'm sorry, Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> you did not find uh, you did not find a spot on the Sweet 16. All right. This answers our question. It's not a Christmas film because it didn't make the cut. Because three guys, <laughs> that's a... We've decided. It's uh, a, maybe, do you want to share what uh, just missed our cut here that was actually on our list to even consider? Yeah, the things we didn't we didn't yeah. put on the list. So honorable we, mentions. Honorable mention are Love Actually, Mickey's Christmas Carol, uh, which is a delightful retelling, very short version of it. Night Before Christmas, Prancer, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I got no time for that. Santa Claus, the movie. The Santa Claus 2. The Santa Claus 3, the escape clause. Um... Home Alone 2, Holiday Inn, the, the modern day, the 2018 Grinch, which actually, for my money, is, is uh, certainly better than the, the 2000 Jim Carrey version, which we also have on the list. Um, uh, the 2009 Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey, and the Christmas Chronicles. And of course, uh, I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention the horror flick uh, Black Christmas that also deserves a spot. Have you even seen Black Christmas? Uh, no, <laughs> I have not seen Black Christmas. I've not seen it either. I've heard that it starts out kind of weird. Yeah, so funny story about that. You guys know I used to be a projectionist at a small town theater. And um, movies at that point in movie history, they would be assembled on these large spinning rotating plates and you would have one big movie that would play off of one platter and it would go through the projector. And another movie might also be showing in that same screen later in the day. Um, so it would also be there physically and it would be up to the projectionist to make sure they loaded the right film into the projector. And our smarter listeners have already reached uh, point B ahead of me here. <laughs> but we had a projectionist at the theater one time. Thankfully, it was not me who it was a screen that was showing the nativity story, a Christmas film about the birth of the Messiah. <laughs> and it was supposed to play for all the matinee showings in the afternoon, in the morning. Uh, but later that night, it was also in our biggest screen, which could house the most people. So they wanted to pack that out in the evenings with Black Christmas, which is a hacker slasher gore fest of like a cannibalistic serial killer <laughs> murdering co-eds, uh, Jason Voorhees style. So long story short, our theater was on the national news because the projectionist 
scarred a bunch of kids for life by loading up Black Christmas instead of the Nativity Story. So Granny, Granny, you know, gets the minivan out. Come on, kids, we're gonna go watch Jesus. And then in the first five minutes, it's just blood and guts and horror. <laughs> oh, no, but that's a true story that happened. You think, um, you think Grandma was thinking maybe this is just King Herod and they're just really establishing him? <laughs> this is what life was like before Jesus. <laughs> you know that um, that may have been um, that may have been the first time Grandma had gone out to a theater in quite some time. It was but, not the uh, first time Grandma walked out of the theater, uh, and she got her money back on that one. <laughs> Um, all right, so um, let's talk about this bracket that we have here. So let's go through these one by one, and we'll figure out who who is who is going to reign supreme here. Our first matchup is a Muppet Christmas Carol versus the classic 1960s How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Who's moving on? Since there's only three of us. Somebody will always have to be a tie-breaking vote. This will be fun. Yeah, and how should we handle? Because there's, uh, I've seen both, but there's going to be cases where some of us haven't seen it. So we'll have to, I guess we'll deal with that when we get to it. But this is going to be the odd situation of a full-length feature going against a 25-minute short. Um, I'll start the voting here, and I'm going to say... Uh, I'm going to go for How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I haven't ever done a full watching of all the Christmas carols. I like Muppet Christmas Carol, uh, but for some reason, all the Christmas carols I've seen always seem to lack something. Whereas I think the Grinch, within its own 25 minutes, is about as perfect as it can get. And uh, I do think the Muppet Christmas Carol is good, but I do think it lacks something as a Christmas carol. Troy, what do you got? Okay, I see how this is going to go. Mr. Ooh, I host the podcast now. I get to break the tie. Uh, well, then I'm going to give you a tie to break. Although I agree with Kyle's <laughs> views of The Grinch. I do think it's arguably a much better Christmas movie than several other things on this list. And I definitely would see it going further um, in other matchups. I love How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I'm going to vote for The Muppet Christmas Carol. I did recommend it and put it on the bracket. So it only seems fair that I would I would back that one. Um, it's a, it's a really fun movie with really great music. And I think at the end, Michael Caine's character coming full, full Ebenezer on it and being able to celebrate life and the gift that it is with Tiny Tim and with Bob Cratchit's family. Um, it warms my heart. It warms my heart. So Trent, how will you settle a really tough choice? Um, well, I never made the connection before. <laughs> Because apparently I'm dumb. Do you think that Charles Dickens' book was an inspiration for Dr. Seuss? Um, the stories are very much the same. You have a a curmudgeon character who uh, doesn't like Christmas and takes uh, takes a lot of is angry at the joy that it brings people. Um, now the Grinch decides to steal it, but uh, and and the Who's and their the warmth of their of them singing their songs even without the roast beast uh, causes his heart to grow. Um, whereas Ebenezer Scrooge has to be visited by 
four ghosts technically because Marley comes first and uh, and and learns to care about other people through that. So in that regard, the lesson to be learned is very much the same, um, I think. So, and Trip, before you answer, and I know we probably don't want to take this long on everyone, but can I ask you this question? Can you name a memorable song from the Muppet Christmas Carol? Um, I would say that the song One More Sleep Till Christmas by Kermit the Frog, but I don't okay. think that doesn't even have the, the mass appeal. None can of the songs. A memorable song from the Grinch. I can think of two memorable songs from the Grinch. In, in just its 25-minute running time, mm -hmm. already we've got quite a ratio here. Just throwing that out there. Here's what I'll say. Um, I think a Christmas carol, it's my understanding, helped to redefine what Christmas meant. Um, in Victorian England, Christmas, the, the idea that we have about um, Christmas outside of the religious aspect that obviously is the most important, the idea that we have about caring for your fellow man and being happy, um, being uh, merry, um, that I think Christmas Carol is many ways credited with kind of creating that imagery. Even today, when people go dressed as carolers, they are dressed in uh, Victorian English. People dress up to go caroling? Sure. <laughs> I mean, like people who are hired to come in and, and, and do it. But then again, they're not doing that because of Muppet Christmas Carol. They're doing that because of the story of Christmas Carol. Right. And so, um, even though I think that a Muppet Christmas Carol is better. And even though I, I, it's maybe my favorite, um, it does not have the Christmas, a Christmas Carol might have the impact on culture. A Muppet Christmas Carol does not. And so therefore how the Grinch, oh, oh, <laughs> the Grinch has stolen my heart. I think Grinch's heart grew two sizes in this moment. <laughs> I'm really glad that the Grinch won. Um, a Christmas I felt bad not voting for it. Well, and, uh, I kind of had to back my own horse. This is an audio medium, but those of you who can see on camera can see where my allegiance truly lies because behind me, there is in fact the Grinch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, a Christmas story versus White Christmas. Um, Troy, we'll let you go first on this one. Two very different genres here, um, which makes it a little bit difficult for me. I like to compare apples and apples. Um, I think you guys will probably handle this one better. My gut, I think I think for me, I'm going to go with White Christmas. And I'm not putting a ton of thought into it. Um, simply because there is a consistent theme and message in that movie of trying to do something out of selfless love for another. Um, whereas in A Christmas Story, our, our big plot conflict is, do I get what I want? <laughs> uh, the part-time critic has a problem with this, I assume. I'll tell you what, first of all, 
White Christmas isn't showing 24 hours a day during Christmas for good reason. It's not just because people want to get what they want. What Philippi misunderstands about a Christmas story <laughs> is what it captures in the eyes of a child of what it's like to experience the joys of Christmas, uh, what family is like. I tell you, I don't want to give everything about a Christmas story because I feel like I trust Trent here that it's going to go further in this bracket. So I don't want to give everything here except to say it's so much more than just getting the Red Rider BB gun. It's really about understanding your parents, understanding your relationship with your parents, your fears of your father, your fears of sharing your desires. Uh, will you get what you want? Do they understand what you need? Will they take care of you and what other needs that you have? And how in ways that we have certain expectations and fears of people in authority and do they really get us? And if, when you really start to consider the whole movie in that mindset and the, the flaws, but also good things of family and our, and our parents, the Christmas story ultimately is about, can I trust? Can I trust? And deeply it says, yes. Nah. Well, I think Kyle trusts me. Also, I've never seen White Christmas. <laughs> Uh, here's what I can tell you. It doesn't matter if a Christmas story is on 24 hours a day or if they, for some reason, decided to put White Christmas on 24 hours a day. But the end result is the same. Trent Ashcraft's taking a nap on the couch. <laughs> but if I'm sticking with, with what I said earlier about which one is more culturally important, I think a Christmas story is far more culturally, far more of a cultural touchstone than than White Christmas. I don't know how many people associate... Um, the song white christmas with that with that movie well now that i know that we're trying to actually talk about the movies and not just quickly fill out a bracket i'll be more thoughtful <laughs> all right you never saw that thoughtfulness coming did you let's go i actually think i do have a hot take about christmas story and uh we'll give it we'll probably get to it in the next matchup all right well then i'll go first on on this next one which is elf versus the santa claus uh, I think you can make the argument that Elf is Will Ferrell's finest film. Um, you could not make that argument about the Santa Claus being Tim Allen's finest film. <laughs> not that there's a whole lot to choose from. <laughs> not when the Toy Stories exist. Yeah. But uh, I think Elf clearly is a superior film to the Santa Claus. You'll find no argument from me. <laughs> And none for me either. I would I would vote Elf easy. But now this next one I have a feeling is a it's quite the matchup. Home Alone versus Die Hard. Uh, Kyle, you wanted to see this matchup. Let's hear what you have to say. So I'm a fan of Home Alone. In fact, it's it's the first memory I have of watching a movie here in the states during Christmas time. Actually, at the theater, we weren't in snow a lot when I was younger. But uh, I remember snow at the Oklahoma theater. We were with my grandfather and it was awesome. I was a kid. I loved it. It's a beautiful movie, beautiful music. It's got a funny, you know, pranks. But if you want to talk about timeless classics that define film as we know it, you got to go with Die Hard here. Die Hard has more individual moments that appeal, that are memorable, 
that are quotable. It's a better story overall. It's not as Christmassy. I mean, I, I can understand if one of you guys don't vote for it for that reason. But if we're just talking as a pure satisfying film that we consider to be a Christmas film because it's on this list, you got to go to Die Hard. The characters are more fun. There's the, the, the villains are, you know, Joe Pesci's great. But come on, Ellis and Hans Gruber, you don't have a better pair of, of hating and liking the bad guys than Ellis, Bubby, and Hans Gruber. Wow. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make Troy break the tie here. Uh, it has been years since I have seen Dying. There is never a Christmas that goes by that I don't watch Home Alone. And the message of Home Alone that is hidden within all the pranks and within all the laughs is, uh, is really wonderful about the importance of family and reconciliation. Um, uh, also, my friend growing up, had on his bedroom wall a poster that was the battle plans that Kevin McAllister drew up. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. He had that, plus he had the, uh, the sword from Hook that made a noise when you, so he had all the cool toys. I like going to his house. Um, Home Alone has got John Candy in it. I think I said it. I don't think <laughs> that's quite enough to put it over the edge. <laughs> it's got John Candy in it. <laughs> John Candy playing a clarinet. <laughs> Troy, would you rather go to the Home Alone house to visit, or would you rather visit Nakatomi Plaza? Would you rather walk on glass or ornaments? Well, maybe I didn't put that right. But you, know, <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm talking about. I think in that answer, the answer is, is definitely ornaments. I'll take the ornaments instead of real glass. But... Um, Actually, Kyle, this is kind of a question for you. I'm not sure. Is Nakatomi Plaza still standing? It is. I think it's um, the, it was being built as like the new as a Fox headquarters, uh, and I think it's still in use today. Yeah. Cool. That's neat to know. Um, I this one's. I hate that I have to break the tie here. Um, I think I'm the one who recommended Home Alone, and so far I've been picking my own picks, even even at my own disparagement. Um, and Kyle, I agree with you that Die Hard is very truly the perfect action film in every way. Um, I have no complaints about it. I love to watch it and got to watch it with my wife for her very first viewing last year around Christmas time. So it has that wonderful um, starting to become a tradition for us sentimentality to it that I love. Um, I am going to vote for Home Alone solely on the grounds like you have already mentioned that it does to me capture a little bit more of the actual christmas spirit more so than john mcclain um although i i love die hard that was a tough one let me fair tell you enough, something about enough. home alone i watched it the other day and i real and there's the pizza guy that comes and he brings Kevin McAllister a cheese pizza. It is not, uh, it is not a Chicago deep dish. It's just a standard cheese pizza, and he pays for it. And it's it's eleven dollars and some, because Kevin gives him twelve and says keep the change until the end. Then I did a little. I was like, that seems like a lot for a pizza. 
I adjusted for inflation. He paid over $20 for a cheese pizza. I mean, that sounds about right. I mean, I, I know the cost of living in Chicago is pretty expensive. And given their house that they were in, you know, they, um, they could probably afford it. But 20 bucks, $21 for a cheese pizza? Mm -mm. I'll tell you what, John McClain ain't paying $20 for a cheese pizza. <laughs> Fair point. Come out right. to the coast. Yeah. This, Anyways. This, this next matchup is ripping my heart out. But they're two extraordinarily different films. Who made this bracket? Christmas Vacation and It's a Wonderful Life. Clearly, the selection committee had, had it out for, for these people when they put this bracket together. Um, I, as I said earlier, I love Christmas Vacation. I love it. I, Cousin Eddie is one of the great characters in all of holiday film. It's a Wonderful Life is as close to a perfect movie as one could ever hope. Although, as I said earlier, all of Christmas Vacation takes place throughout like a week leading up to Christmas. That is not true of It's a Wonderful Life. It takes place over <laughs> throughout the Depression throughout World War II, and then all of a sudden we get to the climax and it's a Christmas. Um, I don't show clips of Cousin Eddie and his broken toilet in my history class, but I <laughs> do show clips of George Bailey and the run on the banks. Yeah. <laughs> well, you are teaching a very different class than I am, I can assure you. Um, I, I, uh, I show... Um, I show the clip, and when I want to feel patriotic, I show the clip of the old woman praying in, uh, in Christmas vacation. <laughs> um, no, It's a Wonderful Life is a, it clearly is a better movie. I would, I would second that. I'll cast my vote for It's a Wonderful Life with a deep, heartfelt appreciation for Christmas vacation. Watch it every single year and could quote it religiously. But I named my dog after George Bailey. <laughs> Since my vote doesn't matter in this, I will uh, abstain to keep my feelings oh my uh, a secret until later. Look at this guy. Okay. That makes sense. Um, a Charlie Brown Christmas versus Polar Express. Troy, I ripped your heart out, apparently. Not really, but, but I, I chose Polar Express when you, before you got the chance. Give me your thoughts here. So my thoughts here are actually very, very straightforward. You see, I was going to pick Charlie Brown Christmas, but then Kyle recommended that. So then I thought, what's a backup? Hmm, how about the Polar Express? And then you took that. So my thoughts are, my first choice is Charlie Brown Christmas. And I'll tell you why. Similar to The Grinch, it's a made-for-TV special. Um, the Peanuts characters are iconic. Charles Schultz did a thing. But it's also the only film on our list, at least at a super quick glance, that literally tells the gospel account of the birth of Christ. And there is something powerful and something incredibly special about seeing that on PBS once a year um, through all the busyness and all the noise of Christmas and all its other trappings. It's the one film on our list that keeps the main thing the main thing, even if it struggles in other areas. Um, I love the Charlie Brown Christmas. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna second that. Really, what's this a uh, a fight between kids who are so slow they, they might as well be dead and uh, animated characters who are animated so poorly they look like they're dead? 
Uh, Polar Express to me is just creepy. It's the it's the Grinch problem. It was a perfect little book um, that when you try to stretch it out and you have to fill in all this backstory, it becomes unnecessary. It it it's something that the idea doesn't hold the weight of a full hour and a half narrative. Um, you know, I don't know how many pages it is, 20 pages as a book. The idea gets kind of creepy if you delve into it too deep. Uh, I, you know, I'm not too, I'm glad Miracle on 30. Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. It's on the list. <laughs> I don't want to get into that and tip my hand, but I'll just say Charlie Brown Christmas, uh, even though it is slow, which I struggle with, I do like that it has its own vibe compared to every other movie on this list. And it trusts that the viewers are okay with that vibe. And for every reason Troy said. Unanimous, unanimous agreement here. Charlie Polar Express is not in the same category as Charlie Brown. And Charlie Brown, even though it's slow, it's short. So it can be slow. Um, I'm just going to abstain from the next one. I've not seen either of these. I don't know what Klaus is. And Bad Santa, I probably wasn't allowed to go watch that. So, <laughs> gentlemen, it's on you. Um, I'll be happy to give a spiel for Klaus because I'm more familiar with that one than for Bad Santa. And then, Kyle, maybe you can be the counterpart. And Trent, maybe based on how we sell it, you can break the tie or something. Um, I've seen Bad Santa one time, and it was on Comedy Central with probably most of the humor edited out. <laughs> so I, I just don't really have much of an opinion on it. I barely remember it. Um, Klaus is recent. One thing that I'll say about Klaus that I found appealing is the animation style. I thought it was very well animated. Um, and some of the scenes were eye candy, gorgeous to look at. Um, the story for me was, meh, it's, let's reimagine Christmas because that's a lot of Christmas movies. But um, it does have a lot of socially relevant messages about how we tend to other people and how we can work past that through generosity and kindness. It is incredibly heavy handed at times. Um, it is very preachy, but um, in some ways it's for good reason. The, the issues that it tries to tackle, although it's not all the way successful, are important issues. It's a pretty film to look at. And um, my AP psychology students usually love to watch it and apply some of their social psychology vocabulary terms to it. So it can be educational. Are you tired of the films that preach at you? Are you tired of the cute and the cuddly on Christmas? Aren't there enough of those films? Are you sick of all the people who want you to just reach that inner child and love people and forgive people? And well, this, let me just tell you, Trent, Bad Santa is for you. It's none of those things. All it cares about is that you laugh a couple times and uh, enjoy yourself in this movie. Uh, again, I, I don't want to really support this movie because it's, it's pretty vulgar in ways that I would not support. Uh, it's got some good jokes in it. It's very well acted, uh, well conceived in general, the concept outside of uh, its rated R-ness. But I would offer it for the reason I offer Die Hard. It's different. We have enough Santa cartoons and films. We need something on there that could care less about Santa and his image and more about whether or not you enjoy the film. <laughs> wow. That, I, well, on that, I'm really tempted to go with 
bad Santa. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, if it if it came down to this, everything Kyle said is true. Aren't aren't you tired of all this Christmas crap, right? <laughs> but if I'm being objective, I think that one of the things we should consider is is this a film that the family can gather around on Christmas Eve and and watch? I, I that may not be true for all of these movies, but I'm certain it's not true for Bad Santa. And so for that reason alone, I'm going to go with Klaus because I may want to go and watch that with the family. It sounds like I probably would little, not watch Bad Santa. Little did I know you'd play the family clause on me. I'm pretty sure that's the Santa Claus four, the family clause. You know what they call the clause of a contract where it's void if you're if you're not in your right mind. The sanity clause. Well, you know, a movie that might have a little of what you're looking for, though, Kyle, as far as like we're tired of all this Christmas crap, uh, would be Scrooged, which goes up against Miracle on 34th Street. Um, for me, I love Bill Murray. I love a Christmas Carol. You put the two together, I I go with Scrooge, even though clearly Miracle on 34th Street has had a bigger cultural impact. I am going to throw my hat in the ring here and say that I actually have not seen the original Miracle on 34th Street. I've only seen the remake. So I don't think my vote here counts. And I've also never watched Scrooged. So I'm going to let you guys duke it out. I'm going to consider that a vote for Scrooged so that I can be a tiebreaker for one. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm throwing my hat in for Scrooged and Bill Murray, mostly because I think Miracle on the 34th Street is absolute hot garbage. Let me come in, <laughs> let me, let me come in hot here. First of all, it's very, um, what would you call it? Safe garbage. I mean, it's one of those where it's like that cat that crawls up into your lap is really kind, it purrs, and the second it no wants to be with you, claws you right in the face and leaves a scar for the rest of your life. Oh my God. What we don't need, I don't, I don't mind little cute stories about Santa Claus. We don't need law cases proving the existence of Santa Claus. What kind of stories are we actually trying to sell our kids here? I have no idea the whole concept behind this film, how it gets a pass in our society, why it's interesting to think we have to prove Santa Claus. The whole point is that we don't have to prove him. He's magical. He shows up at your house, play with those stories. Who cares about law courts and Santa Claus? It's horrible. It's a waste of time. Go with Scrooge. I've been saying it for years. The courts, the courts are biased against Santa Claus. They expect me to have to prove something. No, thank you. I, you're not going to hear an argument from me. <laughs> it's, so, it's, it's pretty innocuous stuff. So then if we're in the next round, can we just go ahead and say uh, that Scrooge is going to be Klaus? Is there, is there any, any reason to even debate this? I have not seen Klaus. The only thing I can <laughs> vote for is Klaus because I've never seen Scrooge. So it's kind of up to you guys to push that through. So let me, let me make the point to you, Trent. Are you tired of regular stew? <laughs> 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 you 
your regular old preachy films. Yeah. Hey, just, just go ahead and put it through. <laughs> All right. Um, which takes us back up to the top. The Grinch versus A Christmas Story. This is a good one. Is there a lesson that is learned in A Christmas Story? There is, but it's hidden, I think. Uh, I, I do think there's a lesson learned there. I, I don't want to go back all into it, but to me, uh, I'll, let me just share one story. I'm going to vote for A Christmas Story because it is one of my favorite films of all time. It's in my top, um, I'd say, 66 films of all time. It's a specific number. It's another whole deal. But anyways, um, for me, I'll just share one little anecdote quickly about it is that when I was younger and I first saw Christmas Story, I felt very much like the kid that the, the dad character actually scared me. He was very gruff. I thought mean a little bit. Um, but when you watch the rest of the movie, especially toward the end when he does get the Red Rider and he kind of, spoiler alert, it's like, what's that back there? You see the soft side of the dad. You see the kind of the, the human side. But the, the thing that I just want to say is that that's how I saw the movie as a kid. The movie does such a good job of capturing how kids view adults and their relationship with them, their fears of them, their trust with them. And on that alone, and there's a million other things I could go into, but on that alone, to me, it's such a relatable movie that it sets it apart from another fantastic Christmas film in Grinch, but I go Christmas story. I'm going to jump in on this one and I'm going to actually agree with Kyle. Um, I probably would have voted for the Christmas story in round one if I hadn't recommended its opponent. Um, but the Christmas story is a story that I love to watch every single year. And one thing that I wish more people would appreciate about it is that it's actually told from a narrative perspective in retrospect. And that much of the movie, the narration, if you clue in with it, is told from a grown man remembering and recalling his Christmases with his family. And the older you get, while I was once just like Kyle and felt I could identify so well with the main character in the Christmas story, but the more Christmases you experience and the older you get, um, the more that there become these layers and layers of meaning and layers and layers of memories that are wrapped up in those holiday traditions. Um, starting new traditions, but you're also re reflecting back on how you would do them with your own family. Um, it, to me, that movie captures those themes so well that I can't help but vote for it. And I want to see it continue to go far. Hey, like a, like a voter in a non-battleground state, my vote doesn't matter here. I don't particularly care for a Christmas story, but I understand what you're saying. The Grinch, got it i didn't fight for it hard the first time <laughs> so so christmas story moves on now we get down to brass tacks elf versus home alone the superior film ladies and gentlemen is home alone home alone is funny for adults home alone is funny for kids home alone teaches a lesson about what christmas is all about Elf doesn't do that stuff. Yeah, I tell you, I'm leaning Elf on this one. 
This is a really tough one. I'd say this is the closest one for me so far. Um, Troy, do, do you feel strong one way? Uh, no, I love both of these so much that it's really hard. Um, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I, Trent, I'm going to go with you, Home Alone. Sorry, I know that takes a little suspense out of it, but they're both silly. If I remember, I can't stand the whole, you know, Christmas cheer powering stuff because it's so silly to me. It's got funny stuff, but Home Alone's got funny stuff. At the end of the day, the message of the Home Alone, of Home Alone, sound like an old person, the Home Alone message, uh, the old guy getting back with his daughter, uh, the lesson of family is just so much better than anything Elf presents. Let's run with it. Home Alone in a hard fought 3-0 victory. About Home Alone. I said it once, I said it again. It's got John Candy. What's Elf got? Peter Dinklage? Not enough. I mean, he was an angry elf. <laughs> it's got uh, John Favreau? Not good enough. For our, for the people who care about uh, heartwarming stuff, we have It's a Wonderful Life versus Charlie Brown. Are, are we having this conversation? This is a tough one, though, if you really think about it. Thought about it. Done. <laughs> uh, my, my vote's It's a Wonderful Life. So is mine. Mine too. Which takes it up against something very, very different, which is Scrooged. Um, which is a funny, funny movie with a good message. Uh, Kyle, do we does Scrooge stand a chance? Uh, in my mind, no. I'm not a big fan of Scrooge. It's probably my least favorite Christmas Carol version, even though I'm a big Bill Murray fan. Uh, oddly enough, It's a Wonderful Life is like a Christmas Carol take as well. It's got its own what life would look like if, you know, aspect to it. Um, but it's in some ways, it's just, it's got such strong differences. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a It's a Wonderful Life uh, voter here. I've never seen Scrooged, but I would vote for It's a Wonderful Life against probably most other movies. I'm going to agree with you there. It's a Wonderful Life is the powerhouse. It's the it's the number one seed in this bracket, as far as I'm concerned. Which means, will it go up in the finals against either A Christmas Story or Home Alone? Gentlemen, you know where I stand. John Candy. Well, in that case, I'm going to jump out here and uh, and make the a second argument for A Christmas Story. I know I've already argued a few times for it. Um, I'll just add one other thing. Roger Ebert used to say uh, a good film has at least two great sequences and no bad sequences. And I really think that Christmas Story has no bad sequences. Maybe sequences you don't care for as much as other, but they're not bad. Does it have two great sequences? Absolutely. We can think of um, first and foremost, uh, my favorite sequence when he goes to the, the mall and he try, wants to get a Red Rider and you have the elves and it's the long line. It's just joke after joke. Great perspective of a kid being a little scared, being a little afraid. Kids are crying. It's a fantastic sequence. And of course, there's nothing like the the highs of Christmas morning, the Easter bunny. It's this roller coaster sequence. And then the dad's like, what, what's that over there? Did you get everything you wanted, Ralphie? He gets the red rider. He goes, he shoots his eye. Just those two sequences alone by that standard, is a great movie. Does Home Alone have those two great sequences? I say no. It's got one. 
And we all know that means, you know, the, the Pratt Falls, the funny stuff. Outside of that, it's just okay. A lot of good sequences, but nothing great. I would argue, let's not undersell some of those really heartfelt moments of Home Alone, because I think they deserve their place. Um, ultimately, I'm going to cast my vote for Christmas Story. Um, but I'm, I'm really fighting hard for Home Alone in this bracket. I think it's me because it's probably the most recent movie that I've watched out of everything on our list. So it's really fresh in my mind. Um, but watching it a couple of weeks ago, I was so surprised at how well it handles some little small moments of humanity in a really zany, really wild, almost unbelievable story. Um, so as much as I love Home Alone, it's got to be Christmas Story. I knew this moment was going to come. And yet here we are, A Christmas Story against It's a Wonderful Life for the title of, among other things, greatest Christmas film of all time. I can stay out of this conversation because I haven't voted for A Christmas Story. I, I voted for it one time, I think. Maybe, I don't know. I haven't fought hard for it. Maybe I voted for it a few times. But both of them are iconic. Both of them you will see on your TV constantly the next few weeks. Gentlemen, which one is better? I will go first, and I will cast my vote for It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow that up and say It's a Wonderful Life, too. All my arguments for Christmas Story are still true. <laughs> uh, just It's a Wonderful Life is just that much better. And I would, I would argue this reason. Uh, I'll give one, one big reason for me. I think It's a Wonderful Life often gets knocked for being uh, too feel-good. Like uh, they call it, the, the director's name is Frank Capra. And there's a phrase that they've been used to deride his films called Capricorn, that it's too sentimental and too kind of like feel good. Uh, but I dare anybody to watch that movie and tell me that there's not real pain and real suffering and real sacrifice. Time and time again, actually, George Bailey. In real has love. To make, yeah, has to make genuine difficult sacrifices that are not sentimental sacrifices but painful situations of bosses who are bad bosses, make poor decisions or struggling in their life, um, having to forego his life's dreams and see his, his brother become a war hero while he stays at home. And just time and time again, the sacrifice, which turns him into that kind of angry guy at the end, it's sad. It earns its sentiment. And that final sequence, the last final seven minutes when he returns uh, back to his town, is maybe the best, most uplifting final few minutes of any film ever made. Um, I cannot say anything better than that, but alongside of that, if I could just speak to one small moment in the film that just cripples me every time I see it. Um, when the depression hits and the community falls on the savings and loan and they're all demanding their deposits back. George and his now just married wife are off to their honeymoon. They pull the car over to see what the fuss is all about. George tries to reason with the town goers to assure them, to give them confidence. And there's no money in the safe. The only thing he can do is give them money out of his own personal savings, which he doesn't. He's, he wants to go on his honeymoon with his wife, but he can't lose the business. And then he turns and Mary pulls out their big wad of cash 
And she just says, I've got money I can give. And she starts giving away their honeymoon money. And then to have that be visited at the end of the film with the support of the community, a sacrifice that was so hard, a furnace of affliction. And at the end, at the end, he's met with love in a community that cares. It's, it is beautiful. Yeah, and probably no better celebration of the true Christmas spirit. I think Christ would be proud of entering into people's worlds of suffering and giving and sacrificing what you can uh, and, and really laying your life down for others in the end to draw a community of love together. Maybe no better encapsulation of Christmas. It does occur to me that the whatever crime he is accused of doing, embezzlement or they never get to the bottom of it <laughs> everybody just says here we'll pay and and the guy from the irs is like okay so i suppose in that way his sins are forgiven um someone else paid the price um no i i agree with you i think it's wonderful life is a wonderful film kyle where um in the on the big board of the greatest movies of all time where where would it's a wonderful life is it higher than number 66 oh yeah so this is the top tenor for me uh, uh it'll, it'll fluctuate depending on week but it's like number four number five it's up there it's yeah an and, and and jimmy stewart of course you're talking about one of the greatest well-regarded actors of all time which is i'm not sure the christmas story uh we could say that if the if Home Alone had gone up against it, John Candy, Jimmy Stewart, <laughs> it's tough to tell the difference. But we are where we are. What do you want? You want to be the number one among other things film? That's what I want, Mary. You know, want me to lasso a winning spot on the bracket for you, Trent? Well, well, after those stellar Jimmy Stewart impersonations. Um, Gentlemen, it was my Christmas wish this season to join together with each of you yet again for the first time in so long and record an episode of Among Other Things. And I think we have done good work here today. Thanks for the invite. It's, um, it's been enjoyable. Thanks for having me back on. It, it was so much fun to gather and discuss with you guys, among other things. Bye-bye, everybody. Go watch It's a Wonderful Life. It's great. And Merry Christmas. <laughs>